0: Welcome everybody to another exciting episode of No Lights, No <laughs> Camera, Action.
1: Sorry, I just seen the thumbnail for the first time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I put effort, I put effort into this one.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great.
0: all right uh so yeah um it's it's been a little bit since like a a standard episode because april we had the april fools episode may we had the um the miserable movie oscars um uh, which, by the way, for anyone wondering, uh, well, first of all, there is still time to vote for the Miserable Movie Oscars Grand Finals, which you can do so using the link in the description. Whether you're watching this on YouTube or on a podcasting platform, it should be there. Also, um, that one won't be an episode of the podcast. I'm going to do that uh, like a live ceremony type thing like I did for the first one, uh, but maybe more... Elaborate. We'll see. I'm, I still have no idea how I'm going to do it, but we'll figure it out. I got a month. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, anyways, yeah. Um, I, I'm Noah Nelson. I'm joined as always by Jacob Nelson.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: And, uh, yeah, pretty, uh, this will be a pretty casual episode, I think, although we've got two, uh, movies to talk about. Uh, instead of just uh one at the end. Uh but first off, we should probably talk about the recent films we've watched because it, it again, it's been a while since a proper episode of the podcast and we've seen a couple recent releases. Um we we both saw the Mario movie together. Yep. Oh, we both saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 together. Yes. Yes. Um uh th- th- those would be the two Big ones for us to both talk about. uh we don't have to get into, I mean, they've been out for a while. So, like, I'm not worried about spoiling people, but yeah, like we don't necessarily need to get too in depth with the convo for those. um, for Mario movie, um, I basically said, um, my my thoughts on it are it was pretty much exactly what it needed to be, and nothing more um like it's you know it's faithful to the games which cannot be said for the original movie um that i didn't realize cannot be found anywhere anymore oh jesus really literally they literally just wiped that from like every platform wow can't rent it digitally anywhere or anything um uh, c- cause um, in the Wolf Tracers, Dinosaur Island, um, miserable movie Monday viewing. Uh, Stan quoted that that original movie, and I wanted to, uh to put in the clip from the movie and the highest quality version online I could find was someone filming their TV. Oh. <laughs> uh. It was... Yeah. Um. Thankfully, I own it on DVD, so I can watch it at any point. But. I... Skin on the Rink is the worst movie to ever exist. That's my sister, everyone. (laughs)
2: Traumatized me from the inside
0: out. That means it
1: worked! It succeeded in what it was doing, therefore it can't be the worst. Because the worst would have failed in what it was trying to do.
2: It just gave me... (laughs) I, I cried Like, I don't cry. She,
0: I by, the, by, by the way, she's also, like, she's outside. I am in my room. She's walking <laughs> through the window.
3: <laughs> right now. Anyways, fuck Skinner Marine.
2: Fuck <laughs> and fuck little
1: <laughs> kids. Well, you know, my sister's
2: thoughts.
0: Oh. Well. Oh, that was such congratulations
1: a to Noah's sister for taking the funniest interruption award.
0: Oh, oh, that's even better than the ran that than the people who in my dorm building who just came into the episode that one time. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's one of my new favorite podcast moments
2: <laughs> that, that was great
0: um, <laughs> Oh, but. It, <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, the Mario movie the Mario movie yeah um you you also had uh, a pretty eloquent way of expressing your thoughts about the Mario movie
1: yeah uh, the the metaphor that I eventually came to was that the Mario movie is like a dry bones in that it is exactly as in a like as Noah was saying, it's exactly as much as it needs to be structurally, and there is no extra meat on the bones, even though there are places where you could definitely see that going. Yeah. Like, there are a bunch of ways, some small, some less small, that you could see the movie being a better version of itself, but instead it is exactly, like, mathematically as much as it needs to be.
0: Yeah. Um... Which I th- I think worked, uh, you know. I think I think it worked very well for for what it was. Um, you know, um, I I look forward to seeing what they'll do with another Mario movie. Uh, I we.
2: Lock the door. It's on my car, and I left my phone in there. my phone. Okay, I'll be right back. <laughs>
1: Ah oh, well, because I'm going to continue talking about the Mario movie while he's gone. Uh, from th- watching the movie, I definitely felt like my favorite bits were the bits of Luigi. And for once, that's not because of just Luigi bias. It's because those moments generally felt like the movie was taking time to breathe. And part of the mathematical precision of the movie is that the movie beyond the Luigi bits, never really takes a breath. So it's just like really uh, frantic, almost feels the wrong way to put it, but like really frantically paced from in one beat, immediately next beat, immediately next beat with no room in between, hence the metaphor of the dry bones. There's no connective, there's connective tissue between like broader scenes, but not so much beats within a scene. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm back. Oh, seeing it.
0: I'm back. By the way. All right. Oh, that's funny. I actually want to have her on a proper episode <laughs> because, because she has, because she has a very interesting taste in movies. <laughs> um, and it'd be very interesting to talk with her about that. Um, but um uh she she actually request uh, requested an episode an episode topic that might be good to do around the fall um mm-hmm. we we'll discuss that later mm-hmm. uh, uh but um uh yeah i mean let's just say there there's a film franchise that I, I really like, and she absolutely loves that. Gets a new entry around Thanksgiving, so Halloween Town. Oh, <laughs> that that'd be hilarious. <laughs> no, um, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, uh, yeah, we we, um, I I think we're both in agreement that we. Look forward to seeing what they'll do with a a, a eventual sequel to the Mario movie, and um, do
1: not look forward at all to a hypothetical Zelda movie that Illumination might make.
0: Yeah, we're we're both very cautious about that, as most of the internet is with Yeah, because um, it's
1: it's not impossible for them to do it well, but it would be so far beyond like the normal products that Illumination puts out that it feels weird to expect anything positive from that.
0: Yes, they would, they, in order to make it work, they would need to go way out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Uh. Do, like,
1: for, like, so the first hurdle, tonally, because, like, the tone that like, generally carries through Illumination's movies, I do not think would work for a Zelda movie, because Zelda movies take themselves, not Zelda,
0: Zelda games take themselves
1: more seriously i
0: guess yeah i I saw some people suggest suggesting that if they're gonna go with a zelda movie they should do like wind waker or something yeah
1: i think wind waker would definitely work best in terms of the kind of artistic style that they're used to because it's the closest match because the least amount of friction
0: in that regard but that also like would it make sense to like be a first zelda movie
1: that's a different question entirely, and I don't, I don't know.
0: Yeah, so, something tells me that if it like, especially
1: because they haven't done much in the tune style in a, in ages.
0: Yeah, and and also like, yeah,
1: the last thing I think they did with the tune style was DLC and Hyrule Warriors.
0: Yeah. Well, was that before or after Ultimate? That must have been before Ultimate. True,
1: good point. That was before Ultimate. Um so which... technically two Link in Ultimate is the last thing.
0: Yeah. Um but um What was I gonna say? I, I feel like the what would happen story wise is it would probably have some elements from like various Zelda games, but I would it would have... not be an addition of a specific one. Well, I would guess if anything, it would hew closer to a story along the lines of the original, Just real basic. Hey, Ganon's take. I I mean, like basically, yeah, yeah, the Mario movie, but Zelda. Yeah, <laughs> Ganon's taken over, and we need to stop him. Yeah, like
1: they go to a, they go through like one dungeon or something. Link gets the Master Sword somewhere along the lines, mm-hmm. and then they fight Ganon who would probably be in pig form based on, as opposed to Ganondorf form, based on, once again, Illumination's typical style.
0: Yeah. Um... Yeah, I know yeah. this isn't going to happen, but now I want, if they do go through with this, uh, I just want Jack Black to be Ganondorf. <laughs> <laughs>
3: cuz oh,
1: you,
0: know, I, you it, know he could do that. You know he uh, could.
1: it would not work nearly as perfectly as Bowser, but I would
0: definitely be I interested would still in be down that. for it. Um but no, they they oh oh also, a common complaint I'm seeing online that pisses that that like irks me. Um so many people are saying if Link says a fucking word in this movie, I'm out. And I'm like, bruh, the Okay, Silent Protagonist works well for a video game because it helps the player... But project into well, the character. Project more onto the character. Doesn't work for a film. You cannot have a film with a silent protagonist. And- well, at the very least, you can't have a film
1: with a silent protagonist easily. It would, it takes a, it would take a lot of work to make it work. Yeah. And- because there's a lot of stuff that you need to design around that, and I don't think the illumination is the kind of thing you need to put... That level of effort into it,
0: yeah. And case in point, as to uh, silent protagonist not working, Willy's Wonderland, Nicolas (laughs) Cage chose to not say a word, and as a result, it's one of the most boring Nicolas Cage movies, (laughs) yeah. Um, but yeah, um, anyway, uh, that's the uh, so yeah, Mario movie, decent. Uh, you know, Zelda movie, please no Illumination. <laughs> yeah, if any, if anything, if you're so buddy buddy with Universal, give DreamWorks the the uh Zelda movie. That that would be fine.
1: Yeah, I thought like, like I was saying in a text conversation they, they almost certainly have some deal going with Illumination for like exclusivity or something in terms of movie production, um, because like because of like. As mentioned, like the CEO of Illumination being lined up to join Nintendo's board of directors, like I, d- I don't think he get to that kind of position about some more like contract contracted assurances. Yeah.
2: Um. Ah, uh,
0: but uh, anyway, um. Yeah. Uh.
1: then Guardians.
0: Wait, I just thought of a wild Ooh, idea yes. for for uh Ze- for Nintendo collaborating with universe This would never happen. This is a <laughs> this is a wild idea, but like hear me out. Uh three different subsidiaries of Universal make three different Zelda movies. Illumination tackles Wind Waker DreamWorks tackles. What's the first one in the Link dies timeline? Uh, I, Is it Link to the Past?
1: No, Is uh, it God, I don't know. I just I remember that that's the timeline where the original two Zelda games exist. But I can't yes. remember which. Yes, and one I know Link to the Past
0: it. and Link Between Worlds are in there as well. Ah, uh, but I don't know how early they are. Um, let me check it. They also have like a Wicked like the Oracle have, um... games in that case, because like those are all, like
1: those are meant to be the same link as Link to the Past, I believe.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so Illumination tackle Wind Waker, DreamWorks tackle Link to the Past, Blumhouse tackle Majora's Mask. <laughs> it would never happen like that. Oh
1: god, I actually want to see. But that'd a be a real, but sure. that'd it's be an
0: experiment. Yeah. Um.
1: Watching major studios fisher of the reels, this shit. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's it's literally like they're each tackling a different portion of the Zelda yeah. timeline. It 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 wouldn't be any more fucked than the Zelda timeline already is. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> um officially
0: codifying a timeline was a mistake yeah. <laughs> um i bruh, me um me trying to fit all the dubs into a timeline <laughs> we haven't we haven't done branching timelines yet so there's I a, am
1: shocked by that. I have to be honest.
0: I mean there there are some technicalities because the the Fandor Stick Dub is like a fictional movie within the universe. So it's like it it's basically like an alternate retelling of events um from Doom's perspective. Um there's some dubs that take place in separate universes. There's one dub that was a dream. <laughs> um,
2: uh, if,
0: if I like. <sighs> You you could change very little about the clue movie and fit that into the dubbers timeline. And then that and then we'd have branching timelines, I guess. Um anyway. Um Guardians 3. Guardians Uh, 3. I I think I, I, I mean a lot of people are saying this is the best MCU movie since Endgame. I would argue it is the best Disney-produced MCU movie since Black Panther. Yeah, I easily agree with you there. This I I, I, have to specify, I have to specify Disney-produced because Spider-Man No Way Home is still, like, my favorite film of all time. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but, yeah, this one is, like, I, I'll have to watch it again to determine whether or not I like it more than the original Guardians. <clears throat> it's really close for me. It it could go either way. They're both ten yeah, but
1: it's well constructed. It's sincere. It's emotional, emotional about being cheap. It's just a really yeah.
0: well made superhero movie. It's it's everything that people complain about the modern MCU not being. Yeah. Um. And for and in a lot of cases, they are right. You yeah, know, there's some unjustified criticism of modern MCU stuff, but um, it all in all it, it such a great conclusion to that trilogy. Um, I I think it's I think it solidifies the Guardians trilogy as the best trilogy in the MCU. Oh, easily. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of people say like the Captain America trilogy. Um, I, okay. I as someone who quite likes the Captain America movies,
1: I think Guardians is definitely a better trilogy overall. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah, and I'm very excited to see what James Gunn does over at DC. Yeah, especially um, with the Superman script. I've really, I, I, I've really got my fingers crossed for David Koren's Sweat as Superman. <laughs> I, I really hope that that. Uh, he gets it. Uh, because he's heavily rumored to be one of the top contenders. Um, yeah.
1: So. so then, other than the movies for today, and then Wolf Trace's Dinosaur Island, which we kind of talked over mostly. That's the last of the movies that I've seen recently. Yeah. Well, you saw the D and D movie since. So oh the- shit! Right. Yeah, that was well yeah. in this. I, I keep forgetting I've, I've, how long our portions between podcasts are. But yeah, D and D like. Also, a really great movie.
0: Yeah, so I've heard. I'll probably watch it at some point. Uh, yeah, it's like, like, yeah, it so
1: strikes a very good balance between being like funny and like sincere as well. Mm. I think Guardians, I think, does it better overall, but but Honor Among Thieves is still like a really well executed, mo- not even just modern blockbuster, but film, yeah, as a whole and it works really well with the D stuff within
0: it yeah yeah i mean guardian guardians 3 like it, it's going to be tough for anything to be good yeah. for my film of the year uh, although barbie has a solid shot <laughs> not gonna lie yeah i'm very remind, me, that barbie remind
1: me what day that's coming out
0: the same day as oppenheimer okay but what day is that like- <laughs> uh <laughs> late july uh okay Mid to late July, uh, I'll, I'll it, it
1: always like uh, that movie feels like it's going to come out like next week, and it has felt that way for the past two months.
0: <laughs> I know, I can I, I'm like, I, July twenty first is when Barbie. Same I'm Gills
1: go. of Oppenheimer, which is the one of the two that I'm probably more likely to see.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna see both of them. I'm I'm looking forward to both of them. I'm gonna see Barbie first, but. <laughs> My current- I can't
1: remember whether or not
0: today is meant to be a weekday or a weekend, but if it's a weekday, I'm
1: probably going to go see Oppenheimer after work.
0: Yeah. Um Also, as of right now, although I'm guessing this is gonna be delayed, IMDB lists Coyote versus Acme is also coming out that day. <laughs> But I, there hasn't, there, been a the trailer there, there hasn't been a trailer release for that, or anything released for that. So I'm guessing that's not. Well, of trailer.
1: course, you don't even need a trailer for that. It just sells itself perfectly on concept.
0: It well, it, the thing is, you're right. <laughs> I like I. I want to see that whenever it comes out. I mean, it's got freaking. I forgot. It, did you know James Gunn wrote the story for it? <laughs> Okay, now I unironically want to see that. Yeah. Also, John Cena's in it. <laughs> yeah, it, and we know basically. Damn, okay. <laughs> we know basically nothing else. Uh, but Which anyway, means that we know exactly
1: enough to sell it for us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Real, really. Um, uh, other recent films I saw. I mean, I. Um. Tetris is really good. Um, That's probably my second favorite film of the year so far. Um, It's just a a story. It's the story about the guy who got the rights to Tetris for Nintendo, but also it's a Cold War thriller because Tetris was a Russian game uh, made in the 80s. And so...
1: That was an Apple TV movie, right?
0: Yes, Apple TV, okay, uh, which is I, the I, only
1: I, reason I think I haven't watched it yet.
0: Yeah, I definitely recommend. I, Apple TV is very has become like my favorite streaming service in terms of original content because they they don't have a ton compared to other streaming services. Although they've been ramping up, but pretty much everything I've seen of theirs, except for maybe Ghosted. um has been uh like a knockout like they've knocked it out of the park ted lasso is a great tv show um that actually recently concluded um i say concluded the way they ended it they're they're not going to do a season four if anything they'll do a spin-off which i'm cool with Mm. um but um. yeah they or I should say they shouldn't do a season four because yeah. it, the the finale of season three perfectly wraps up pretty much every character we cared about um, um but yeah, um, yeah, Tetris is really good, um air I also saw. Uh, which which was good. It's basically the same movie, but it's not a Cold War thriller. And I watched <laughs> it. And I watched it the day after I watched Tetris, so I really did it dirty. But it was still good. Um. Uh, oh, Renfield. I saw Ren Renfield's fun. Mm. Um. Not not phenomenal, but like fun. It's it's fun. Nicholas Cage is obviously hamming it up as dracula and and the crazy thing is um ben schwartz tries to like out chew the scenery. <laughs> <laughs> which is i wasn't expecting because i didn't i'm not even sure i knew ben schwartz was gonna be in the movie but he he plays like the this criminal lackey guy um it, it, like his, his mom like runs this this criminal organization um and the 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 it's weird the criminal like like the the like crime family subplot is like the least interesting part of the movie but his but his performance is he he is going so over the top and i love it because i haven't seen that from him um i I need to watch Parks and Rec at some point. There's so many people I love in Parks and Rec. <laughs> um, but yeah, Renfield is really good. Yeah. Um, I remember back in the day when I worked at the water park,
1: uh, we would occasionally just have Parks and Rec just playing on one of the computer monitors in the in the break room. Yeah, uh, because of the joke of we worked for the city's parks and recreation
0: board oh yeah of course <laughs> um
1: i quite enjoy what i saw of it
0: yeah yeah there there's just so many people i mean i really like chris pratt i really like nick offerman i like ben schwartz i like aubrey plaza um so yeah i'll get to that at some point uh little mermaid remake that was pretty good i have some nitpicky stuff um scuttlebutt sucks Disney stop <laughs> casting Aquafina as annoying sidekick characters this is the third time you've done it um I know you liked Shang-Chi but I'm including Shang-Chi in that <laughs> list I but mean like,
1: that is the archetype that, that, that she has for that character yeah, but, yeah.
0: I, do, I hate her character in Shang-Chi her other things Little Mermaid and then Ryan the Last Dragon uh did it as well. Um which I I also did not care for Ryan the last dragon at all. <laughs> um uh oh and then I watched what might be my new least favorite M night Shyamalan movie Knock at the cabin <laughs> that I'm not gonna go too much into detail on that but that one fucking sucks. Um it's not necessarily a new release. I mean, it came out this year, but like in February. So, um. But no, what was your favorite part of that movie? The scene where Dave. I was telling Jacob about this. Uh, the scene where Dave Batista explores the themes of strawberry shortcake <laughs> is the best scene in that movie. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah, um... And you know what? Speaking of movies I've watched, uh, it's, t- it's time for another segment of What's in the Letterboxd? We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. What's in the fucking box? All right. <laughs> this, this, is the, this is the segment of the podcast where... I go through my letterboxed uh, and pick a random uh, ten words or less film review, and uh, Jacob has uh, the it, J- Jacob has to try to guess the film. And because it was really hard last time, I'm gonna add a thing to this because mm. la- last time we did it, uh, you get a guess. I-, I just give you the review. I give you a, a guess, and if you get it wrong, I give. Did did I give the? I think I gave. Did I give the stars? I gave it first. Uh, the rating I gave it first. Did I think you gave it, it
1: the. I think you may have given it the year. For I can't remember. It's been too long.
0: Okay, I I think I think it was the year. Um, I I give you the year it came out. And then, if you guess it wrong after that, I give you the the uh ranking i the the rating I gave it um out of out of five or ten or whatever. Um uh, this time around, I'm also gonna give you uh three yes or no questions, and these can be whatever questions you want as long as they are yes or no questions. uh, so you can ask about genre. Um. Uh, Genre,
1: I, I, cast members. Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, um, cast members.
1: Uh, length, not length length. I guess technically, length. What you had for breakfast yeah, over, this morning? Anything that's a yes or
0: no question? Yeah, over, over, under. You, I, I could do like, oh, like, oh, is it over two hours? Like that, something like that. Yeah. Um. And you, you can ask those at any point. So you can get them all out of the way right away, or you can save them, up to you. Uh, but first, pick a month.
2: February. February, okay. Um... Ooh, wait. Um.
0: Uh, okay, what, okay, I can do 22 or, 2022 or 2023?
1: Let's go 2022.
0: Okay. So this is a film I watched and logged on Letterboxd in February of 2022. Let me go there and find something. Um, yeah, man, I did not have a lot for 2023. I'm glad you...
2: okay, oh I got so I got
0: some real funny ones for this month uh i'm gonna I'm gonna go with the film that you're probably the most likely to at least know the the title of um because one of these it is a really funny review, but I don't know if you've even heard of the movie. So, uh, your review for today viewed the way Coppola intended, preceded by the Lightyear trailer. <laughs>
3: oh,
2: fuck. Ah.
1: Okay, so it sounds like it's a Coppola movie, mm-hmm. uh, and now to, and now to place Coppola movies. Oh God. Uh. <sighs>
2: uh okay. Um. Oh, shit. Uh...
0: And remember, you can you can ask yes or no questions. Yeah, ahead. I'm, trying
1: to, I'm trying to think of one that will narrow things down enough. Um... Well, based on the trailer that came before, I'm assuming it was. I'm assuming this would be the case, but I'll just verify. Did this come out in the same year that you watched it? No. Okay.
2: Okay.
0: Uh... I can't even remember the, ne- the last couple of films that came out. He's got one in the works, but I, I don't remember the last one he released. Also, I guess that gives gives away the fact that it's Francis Ford and not Sophia. But I'm guessing. Well, I, f- I, I figured because I, I didn't was... know that Sophia did movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did. Uh, Born in Translation, which was pretty good. Uh, Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson film.
1: All right. Uh, I was, was unfortunately just be spontaneously remembered Francis Ford Coppola's catalog. Ah. Uh.
0: Oh, boy. Um, you, can, you can also just make a guess, and I'll give it, if you're wrong, I'll give you the, yeah, I think, yeah, a year. Uh We did it right
1: differently. The the, the problem that I'm having here is that I can't place in my brain what films Coppola has. That's fine. That's made. fine.
0: Just just make a guess, and if you're wrong, you'll get the the year to narrow it down.
1: Fine. Let's just get the year. Eraserhead.
0: It is not Eraserhead. That is a David Lynch film.
1: Yeah, uh, I I, I but, knew that wasn't Coppola. I
0: just couldn't. Yeah. Ah, uh, the year this came out nineteen seventy two
1: okay. So yeah, older one,
0: yeah, yep. Yeah. If you do the math, fifth it would. I saw this fifty years after it came out.
2: If that helps. Hmm.
1: Okay, so let's get the, the genre out of the way. Casablanca.
0: It it is not Casablanca, and I, I you you are misremembering the next clue I give you. Damn it! Uh the the next right, Star, star ring is The Star Wars next. Damn yes. it. Uh, five stars, ten out of ten. Okay,
1: so it's a good movie then.
0: Easily, easily, yes. And remember, you still have two yes or no questions you can drop. You and you can ask about genre. You
3: can
2: as long as in that um is it a thriller?
0: Um, let me search up if it would be defined as such. I would say it has thrilling moments. I would not, the internet does not classify it as a thriller.
2: Okay. In fact,
0: it's definitely like a slower burn type.
2: Thing.
1: Is it
0: a? Uh,
1: is it primarily a
0: drama? Yes.
1: Okay. And now I keep thinking of I, I, David I, 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 Lynch, I'll, Lynch
0: <laughs> I'll say drama with a very specific subset, like. Okay. A very, very specific
2: subgenre. All right. So you got one more guess and no more lifelines. Or questions or anything. Oh, God.
1: Uh, it's going to really annoy me when you say the name. And I'll feel really stupid for not remembering the couple that Coppola made the movie. Yeah, probably. Uh, probably. Probably. I feel like I'm being asked to name a mammal in Africa and failing to think of any. <laughs>
3: uh
2: like uh crocodiles
0: uh, pandas <laughs> no I'm sorry crocodiles pandas is not I <laughs> can <laughs> <laughs> Now I really want to see Francis Ford Coppola's pandas. <laughs> I want to know uh, what he would do with that. <laughs>
1: I feel like I'm being of movies by every director except for Coppola.
2: Uh,
0: I I will say you, um when i said five out of five ten or, or or five stars ten out of ten you said okay so it's a good movie i i you know i I, I immediately thought where a second it might not I, be that no i i wouldn't just think of it as a good movie like that that's that's doing a disservice Which isn't going to feel extra stupid in a minute here. Like, call, <laughs> calling this movie good is an understatement.
2: What? Sorry.
1: I I can't think of anything and don't want the podcast to just stall here. Right. So I was trying to think of All something right. to just guess. And my mind went to, huh, what is objectively a above good movie? And then my mind went, Tremors. That's a movie
0: that I haven't seen. Tremors is not correct. The movie was The Godfather.
2: God damn it. Um, it was a lion. The memo was a lion. damn it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, but that was fun. Uh, and and just well. Now that the audience start having an aneurysm at me. <laughs> Uh, and and I, I just want to throw this in as an honorable mention, because I'm not sure if you've even heard of this movie. One of the other film reviews I had that month was uh, misleading title did not feature Kanye West. Uh, and I want to point out, I wrote that before he came out as anti-Semitic. <laughs> uh, and that was for the worst person in the world. <laughs> uh which is a a a I believe a French film. I know uh, I've
1: never heard, heard of that movie. I'm pretty sure it's from you telling me about that litter box review at some point.
0: Maybe. Um. Yeah. Um. That's like my third. Well, my second of three. Uh, movie reviews. Uh talking shit about uh,
2: Kanye West
0: <laughs> because uh, yeah the I Su- Suicide Squad and Bodies 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 I both both had me poking fun at uh, Kanye West because Pete Davidson dies in both of them <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway Um, speaking of death... Yeah, pirated. Like illegal copies. No, no, no. I sell pirate movies. Yo-ho,
3: yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. Do what you want, cause a pirate is free. You are a pirate.
0: This is our most recent release. It's called... (laughs) Ah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, time for uh, another, uh installment of our uh, newest segment we promise we're not pirating movies uh Mm -hmm. where we we have been tasked with uh developing a new pirate movie uh to revitalize the pirate subgenre in film uh by universal and what we came up with three months ago is a pirate horror movie uh which blumhouse will be producing um uh that takes place on a pirate ship um and has su- some pirate some member of the crew going around and killing other members of the crew uh with the suspicion being put on a recently discovered ah uh, female character disguising herself as a man um in line with uh, Mary Reed Um, and we also said last time, I said, I don't think there are any actual pirate horror movies. Turns out there are some, um, not any good ones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the best one I could find isn't even technically a pirate movie, um, I think people included it because they weren't sure if the ghosts were pirates or sailors. Most most of the it's interesting because no one has really tackled what we're um
1: thinking. like a horror movie from the perspective of pirates rather than a mo- horror movie where pirates are the villains.
0: Yeah, the the closest thing is actually uh the upcoming Universal horror movie that that adapts that one chapter of the uh, Last Voyager of the Meter. Yes, the last voyage of the Demeter. Um, that's the closest thing, but they aren't pirates, yeah. um, and they aren't being killed by a pirate. They're being killed by Dracula, <laughs> um, which is fun. Um, yeah. So the fog I put down as a technicality because uh, it it feels like people weren't sure if the ghosts were pirates or sailors. I I think they're 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 sailors. They're not pirates. Um, and this movie's kind of boring in the first half. It, it gets kind of interesting in the second half. It, it's actually John Carpenter. Um, oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's filled with horror icons. Uh, well, well, maybe not icons necessarily, because I can't name the one other actress from Halloween that's in it. But Jamie Lee Curtis is in this uh, just, like, I think, two years after Halloween. And uh, her mother, Janet Lee, is also in this. Twenty years after Psycho, hmm. um, so and then another actress uh, who played one, I uh, like Laurie's friend in Halloween, is in this. Um, there's probably some others that I just don't immediately recognize, but um, and then I found two other pirate, proper pirate horror movies that are real low budget and real bad, (laughs) Uh, both of which focus on a group of people being killed by a pirate ghost. Um, There's Jolly Roger Massacre at Cutter's Cove, um, which has a hilarious opening scene. I think... I forget. Did I comment on it on on my Letterboxd review of it? Let me check. Um, because that was one that I was like, "That this is hilarious. I'm I'm in for this." And then it was not. Oh no, I didn't comment on the opening scene. My Letterboxd review for Jolly Roger Massacre at Cutter's Cove is: This dude used his girlfriend's bra to pick a lock, <laughs> which actually happens in the movie. <laughs> Um, oh
1: Jesus! Also, that movie—I feel like either of those two titles could have worked as a solo title. Putting them together feels worse.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, because I think I—I I think the the pirate ghost that is killing them is actually Jolly Roger. Um, like the Jolly Roger. Um. Oh, and then the other one—I wasn't
1: aware that there was a the Jolly Roger
0: that's a, that's i i assume that's how the ship got its name um Ooh. in folklore or pirate lore or whatever um well, is not it the flag though that's the jolly roger though i don't know <laughs> i don't know that much about pirate lore to be honest <laughs> um yeah the the pirate flag is called jolly roger okay gotcha uh well I think that then the the flag is named after the guy I think I'm not sure, um, and the, and then the other one I watched was Curse of Pirate Death, which is one of the most atrocious films I've seen in a while, um. It there's one enjoyable character in it. His name is Jack he's just a a shit the entire time but he's fun and he gets the most nothing death and it made me upset because he was the best character um
1: okay it looks like the term jolly roger comes for, either comes from uh a, fr- a mispronunciation for the french term for terrible red flag or uh <laughs> Or from a nickname for the devil. Yeah. No. Which is Roger, which feels weird.
0: Well, I don't know. Also, also I, I know why I was thinking it was the ship. Because it's the name of Captain Hook's ship in Peter Pan.
2: Ah, that's why. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh... Just... <clears throat> Be warned of the terror that looks in the night that lurks in the night, Roger.
0: Oops. I think I think it's the jolly part, which ironically adds the the like sinisterness to yeah. it. Yeah. Um. I
1: don't know. Maybe Roger was a real sinister-sounding name in the 18th century. It isn't today.
0: Yeah, maybe. Um, the
1: most that I can think of is Mister Rogers.
0: Yeah, which is the opposite. Um. But um. Anyway, um. Yeah. Also, also, one thing I wanna I wanna comment on uh, regarding the movie Curse of Pirate Death, uh, two well, two things actually. One, it's and I wasn't expecting this when I went into it, and once it happened, I was like, "Well, fuck, I guess this is what I'm watching now." Um, it's kind of a soft core porn. Oh yeah and most of those scenes don't relate in any way to the pirate thing um is weird um, huh. but also i want to point out uh, one of the actors in this is drew roy and i really wasn't expecting to recognize any of the actors from this but drew roy was actually in an episode of iCarly. The episode was I Date a Bad Boy. He was the one who... Did you watch iCarly? I forget. Uh, I did, but it's been a while. I don't remember. He like He's the talk. one that... He, he's, like, the bad boy that Carly was really into. They started dating, and then she found out he collected peewee babies, which was, like, their off-brand beanie baby equivalent. I
1: I remember this in vague, terms. They don't remember specific, like, images from it.
0: Yes. Uh, but but okay. I definitely remember that happening. <laughs> So that actor is in Curse of Pirate Death. And this came, Curse of Pirate Death came out way before, this is actually, I believe, Drew Roy's first acting credit. And so with those two facts combined, my, the the weird fetish stuff and the Drew Roy, um, the my my letterbox review for this film was this must be how dan schneider discovered drew roy <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah um anyway let's move past that i just yeah. figured i'd throw that joke out there um but anyway so now we need to start uh, developing i think what we need to do first off is develop Start developing the characters for our um. Well, well, first of all, develop the a the female lead and b the villain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. uh because we we talk Which about, also means
1: we need to decide on who or what the villain is.
0: Yes. Um, and I th- I think we 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 discussed that at least for this first film. Maybe if this gets a sequel we'll see but at least for this first film we we want to stay fairly grounded and mm-hmm. not deal with uh, supernatural stuff yeah. um, the
1: the ship won't get eaten by a kraken at any point but there may be like paranoia related to the kraken amongst the crew
0: yeah something that kind of like, thing. something like that um, um and so also, in preparation for this, um, actually, this wasn't even in preparation for this, this just popped up in my recommended feed, and um, I watched it because it sounded interesting. And I was like, oh, I can actually use this as notes for the movie we're developing on the podcast, uh, because uh, a video popped up in my feed that was like how to write a, a good twist villain, and it was basically exploring why Pixar has better twist villains than Disney. Um, and there's, uh, essentially seven step there. There's like seven criteria for a a good twist villain. And the, the guy in the video argues that a good twist villain should have at least five of these seven criteria met. Um, The criteria being solid motivation, not evil for the sake of being evil, which kind of goes in hand in hand with the first one. But still, Mm -hmm. um, cool reveal or at least not an awful reveal, um, doesn't monologue their plan, uh, not the only villain in the movie. Uh, which I have ideas for that. Um, subtlety, uh, and in parentheses, it says surprising, but inevitable. So like you're, you're surprised by the reveal, but like when you look back on the film, you can see the clues leading to the reveal mm-hmm. of that person being the villain. So the opposite of Hans from Frozen. <laughs> um, and then the last one is give them time to be a villain so like their reveal can't be like at the very end or just before the first like like give them time to like have been revealed as a villain and do evil things after they've been revealed Mm. um so yeah we can keep that stuff in mind for developing our villain um uh, but first, as far as w- who I'm assuming is our p- protagonist, red herring, and final girl, ah, uh, the the female lead, um, one question I wanted to bring up, ah, uh, as far as like character motivation, um, why has she chosen to disguise herself as a man and join this? pirate crew is it just because she wants to be a pirate or is there some other motive at hand um well when,
1: when looking at that we can since we're doing a slightly like more grounded thing we can look at the motivations for one for why one would become a pirate in the first place yeah. and a lot of that is like money because relative to like Relative to like being like a naval officer in like the French Navy or whatever, there was a much higher potential for returns mm-hmm. because the money got split more evenly amongst pirate crews than amongst naval crews, where the captain would, would get by far the most and the crew would get pittances by comparison. Whereas in the pirate crews, since it was more Eclectic of a gathering, people got more even spreads, and things are a bit more democratic. Mm-hmm. By nature of if one person tried to take complete control, they're all criminals and murderers. They could just stab the guy.
0: Yeah. Um, and with with that in mind, something to keep in mind as far as the protagonist's motivation is with her being the final girl, we will want her to be. More sympathetic than the other pirates in the crew, yeah. uh, because that case, we, could, we could do that's what, like, if we wanted to do part, like a money. Sorry, sorry. Uh, what one of one of the best parts of slasher movie or one of one of the common things with slasher movies is that most of the characters are completely unlikable and shitty people. Um, you want them to die. That's that's the joy of like a classic slasher. Um, is like you're kinda rooting for the villain, uh, mm. to a certain extent. Um which I think works really well for what we're going for with pirates being the victims, because pirates are shitty people. Yeah. Um and you know obviously a lot of previous pirate films have sort of glorified uh up have been more
1: swashbuckling like
0: yes uh whereas we're going for a much uh darker grittier interpretation that doesn't necessarily glor necessarily glorify the pirates so with that in mind um I'm not saying that money can't be the motivator for our protagonist but there has to be something specific she needs that money for
1: yeah it has to be like not this but it has to be a situation like oh her fat like her family's farm or whatever is about to get consumed by whatever because of lack of funds yeah so she does piracy for that reason but like it has to be like a sympathetic motivation for needing money
0: yeah uh the other the other direction that I thought of is uh perhaps some someone she cares about has been captured by this pirate crew and she's waiting for the opportune time to set him set them free. Um
1: there's also that
0: would also um, be- because when we came up with the idea of having a-, a pirate horror movie, I also thought it might be interesting to have a non-pirate character on the ship to witness, like, the horrors of piracy firsthand as sort sort of an au- audience surrogate. True, but I
1: feel True, but I think the protagonist in this situation could fill a similar role for that.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm just bringing up that idea as a possibility.
1: Uh, um, another idea that I had to throw at the wall uh, is like a bit... one of the things that you could get out of becoming a pirate is that pirates is just simply that pirates have ships and can travel distances and way, like, and and can travel, like, without, like, the restrictions that, say, like, more official channels would have on someone. Yeah. So it's possible that she could be, like, joining the pirate crew to, like, specifically, like, get to a destination that they're likely to stop at and then leave, as opposed to being a pirate for its... for other reasons. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe she wants to escape from something, but she can't escape through official channels because bureaucracy or whatever, so she has to go through pirates and part of that is like disguising yourself
0: yeah i like and maybe maybe this is hewing too close to elizabeth swan in (laughs) uh pirates of the caribbean but uh the idea just popped in my head of an arranged marriage that she could be escaping that could work um so something like that we don't have to solidify anything that but i i do like the idea of her escape like her in a a situation at her home in her home but where... she's escaping
1: some form of entrapment only to get stuck in an entirely new trap of
0: its own yes exactly that i i like that um and then our villain um. Um, and also we, we can use this time to establish some like personality traits that might help with like future casting, as well, because uh, cause cause we are also gonna try to like cast this film, um. um ha, also I should but actually before we move on to the vil- I, I mean we can go back and forth between. Ah, uh, developing these two characters because they can be sort of foils to each other in a way. Mm-hmm. Um um, what how old do we think cause because that'll be important. It, like what age range are we thinking for this female lead? because that'll be important for casting, uh.
2: Reasonably, not, not like young, young, but like like
1: twenties to thirty. I think would be the range. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. So I I will get that down. Um. So. So female. So we got female lead, twenties to thirties.
2: Escaping some form of entrapment in life. Um, and then for our
0: villain... Uh, I think it's important to establish for uh, backstory, um, obviously this is backstory that will be slowly revealed throughout Mm. the film, but why is this person a member of the pirate crew uh, and why are they going around killing other members of the crew? Um, And... as for like some sort of motivation i and uh we we don't have to go with this but i i do like the idea of something along the lines of years ago pirates it doesn't even have to be the same pirates it could be like just this is the crew he happened to join whatever happened to him happened happened with a different crew uh, but he's just sworn to take revenge against all pirates as a result. Like a punisher
1: situation but with more yeah. subtlety.
0: Yep. Um, where like a, where like a band of pirates invaded his home to steal some valuables and like killed one or both of his parents. Um Like it wasn't intention. It it wasn't planned that they were going to kill the parents, but it was necessary for them to like get the valuables and escape. And he witnesses this, something like that. Like a childhood. This would have happened Mm -hmm. like in childhood. Um, and we could even like, yeah, like start the film with that like scene, but not draw too much attention to the child and then like once the villain is revealed it will be like oh that was that was him like something like that, um, that that's just an idea uh, feel free to chip in any other ideas for like any sort of like motivation for this villain character
1: I'm at the moment I'm not sure how I feel about that specific motivation okay
0: For what, uh, can you give me uh reasoning and we can uh develop something that well, in
1: part because like uh, it would work to like it would work in terms of having a foil for the protagonist because the protagonist is going into piracy because she's escaping some form of hardship and he is going into piracy to enact revenge, blinded to the premise that other people on the ship are just trying to escape hardships and stuff like that. Yeah. That could work, well, for like a villain thing. But if they're going to have a dynamic with the protagonist, it would feel weird in my mind, I guess. Okay. Because if he's going to be a threat to her in any direct way, and he knows basically anything about her it feels like it's stepping into evil for the sake of being evil territory for him and her to be in direct conflict that he instigates
0: That that, because, that is a good point yes that 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 is a good point um
2: um yeah
1: because like well like The disguise and whatnot is a part of her escape attempt. The reasoning of she's just trying to get from one place to another place and the pirate ship was the best way to do it for her doesn't need to be a secret on its own. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Feels like the kind of thing that he would learn at some point through just interacting
0: with her and and so as a result he wouldn't have any motivation to target her yeah yeah i i yep yeah, i i under yep yeah, that makes a lot of sense uh, so i'm trying to think of some way to make it work where he would still like obviously be targeting uh, obviously like have some reason to target everyone on the ship mm-hmm. But have it feel and have it feel more natural for him yeah. to, like, target her as opposed to it just being like, oh, well, I obviously can't leave you alive because you've witnessed me killing all these uh, people. Um. um uh so I'm trying to think of a good way to make that work. Feel free to chip in any. Yeah, I'm trying to think as well. Ideas. Um, and also I I do want to um. When. You know I obviously I also watched a lot of, various, um pirate films in preparation for this. Not just those pirate horror films. Uh, but I also watched some other films featuring pirates. Um, one of which was the original Peter Pan. Uh, oh boy. Um, there's some great parts of that movie, but goddamn it does not hold up. And <laughs> y- you know why, mm. for the most part. But also, Peter Pan's a little shit, and Captain Hook did nothing wrong. Um, but I do want to bring up Captain Hook because, um, I think captain hook is a very well-rounded villain in that movie uh, because he, I, well, first of all, he, he is, he is ruthless. He like, obviously, you know, is trying to kill this child, but mm-hmm. he has a clear motive. um, Because Peter Pan cut his hand off. Like there, there's that there like, he has a, he has a clear vendetta against peter pan because of what peter pan did to him and he uh, he also has a like he is ruthless and like cunning and uh you'd think he's like oh like he's this unstoppable force but he has a very specific weakness that being of course the crocodile Mm -hmm. um so i think that I, I think Captain Hook is a very good villain archetype for us to build off of. Um. So if that helps with anything.
2: Um, um I wonder what ooh. I wonder if there could also be some sort of, like, maybe, even though, like, perhaps
0: our female lead has some distant relative who was once a pirate as well. There there could be something there. Uh, I don't know that feels like a bit of a stretch yeah I don't know uh, I'm just yeah uh, uh, yeah I'm just throwing out ideas out uh, feel free to also uh, throw anything out and it doesn't have to be necessarily related to like these two it, to the villain or anything we can if if you have other ideas for other stuff that could help lead to more ideas for the villain or, anyth- or anything else with the movie. Feel free to just pitch them at this point. Uh, one one thing that I thought of
1: that uh, might well for, maybe not necessarily the main villain, but like a secondary villain or something, would be like a character that is motivated by money for a semi-sympathetic reason, and so at the very least not like is not like actively killing the crew necessarily, but is the very least like not taking many steps to stop it or something, because they get more share of the of the pot if everyone dies.
0: Yeah, and uh, with with that in mind, I do like the idea of ah, uh, and and feel feel free to like I mean we we don't have to go in this direction but i do like the idea of the captain being some sort of secondary villain like he he's not the one yeah like again he's not the one um he, he's not the one killing but he's also not putting a stop to it um and like but I'm not sure if I like that. I actually think if we go, th- this might be weird. We, we we can tweak this a bit, but I actually like the idea if we, with going in that direction, I actually like the idea of having the captain be less sympathetic to the true, than the true villain. i for that, yeah. Where, whereas like, the the captain's just greedy like and mm. like want yeah um could you want all the money to himself just just because um and which be because like again having these unsympathetic characters that the villain is killing uh and have him be like the last kill in the movie apart from if we decide to kill off the villain the, the mm-hmm. main villain um and like giving him like the most gruesome death uh because also uh one thing we established with this story is that we can draw a lot from uh the giallo subgenre, uh, mm-hmm. which is very over the top very bloody um like bloody elaborate kills um is a hallmark of the giallo genre um uh which also i i I forget if i mentioned this last time but uh another hallmark of the giallo genre is specifically um the a a female twist villain which then became a trope to the point where giallo films would Set up the expectation of a twi- of a female villain, and then have it end up being a male villain, uh, which uh, we can play with that. Obviously, with what we're doing, um with our protagonist also being like the main red herring. Uh,
1: uh, a thought I've had, just yep. from observing a pattern amongst a lot of the characters that we've put anything down for so far, is that. What if we have, like... What if we take the idea of uh, not a ton being done to stop, like, the murders, and instead of having that be, like, part of a couple of characters, what if we expand that to almost the entire crew? Elaborate. Like, if we're setting up, like, the pirates as being bastards, and... Any given pirate would benefit, in terms of getting more share of the plunder and whatnot, from other members of the crew dying. Then not a lot of them would have particular motivations to stop characters from other characters from being murdered, just to they instead of just have motivations to keep themselves from getting murdered.
0: So and- it would lead
1: to them acting a lot more. So it would allow. So it would allow like a direct angle through which we can portray the pirate as a lot more selfish and whatnot and you have something to say yeah
0: yeah and and then have our female lead be like the only one who is like trying to figure out what is going on yeah um like trying trying to deduce like who the murderer is and whatnot um i that that is that is an interesting idea for sure um
2: I do think there should be at least j- just to like so that
0: unless yes. we basically pull a ransom I- I- in knives out, and what what I mean is like I because I was just gonna say well in order to have, like, if we're going to have, like, because, c- like, Giallos are also known for, like, having a, like, cop investigation subplot where the mm-hmm. like, co- cops are trying to figure out the identity of the killer. Um, And obviously, in a less traditional sense, this is what we would be doing with our female protagonist here. Um, um Which also makes her, uh, you know, more dynamic than the you know, stereotypical final girl, and more in line with like a a stronger female horror protagonist, in line with like Clary Starling in Silence of the Lambs, for example. Um, uh, with that being said, I'm like, well, we should have like, maybe we should have at least one character who is actively investigating with her so that she has someone to so that there's a dynamic there oh whoops hey okay we're back um jacob's computer crashed so now he's on his phone so he will sound different um yeah. a little lower quality but it's fine we will continue um uh anyway as i was saying before you crashed um i i I was thinking, I, I like the idea of none of the other pirates, um, you know, helping fig like trying to do anything about the killings and rather just protecting themselves. Um, um, I do want, I, I, but I'm like, okay, we should probably have at least one other character, like trying to figure this out with, the the female lead so that she has someone to like play off so that there's a dynamic there and it's not just oh one person is investigating completely disconnected from the crew and the others are just doing fuck all um and then i had the interesting thought what if our villain is the one who investigates with her that could be fun um why he would be doing that we can figure out um (laughs) my my thought is like pulling a ransom essentially Mm -hmm. um where like you know they're putting on a front that they're helping well uh, and in fact helping her clear her name because that like by the time we get to the investigation that that could be another a motivation for her to investigate and b motivation for the pirates, for the other pirates to not want to help because once she is revealed as a female in disguise, uh, the other pirates would not trust her. um, And automatically think she is the one committing these murders. So obviously if, now granted there there will have to be some moments where like our our villain will have to somehow kill someone without our protagonist noticing um which i i think we we could come up with some fun elaborate ways to make that work um using the the things on a pirate ship um because because that's another hallmark of giallo is using your Using your surroundings to kill. Y- yeah, you using your surroundings to it's kill, like, like being res- like a, a, like a someone villain. gets strangled in the rigging or something like yeah, that. So- something like that. Um, like for example, in uh probably the the most modern example of a giallo malignant, uh one of my favorite horror films ever, um, uh the villain. Um, is targeting uh, doctors who worked at this research facility um, many years ago um, doing doing some sort of psychological experiments on children. Uh, I won't get into the exact nature of it because in case you ever decide to watch it, I don't want to spoil anything, uh, but... Um, one of the the doctors he targets has like a a, a trophy that's like that medical si- symbol with mm. like the the like sort of spearhead the snakes the, and the staff yes exactly and she has a trophy of that and so the the villain bludgeons her to death with it and then sort of does like like blacksmithing handiwork to like turn it into a bladed weapon um for the rest of the movie. And that's that's his main weapon. Um, uh, so yeah, that that sort of thing. Um and I also wanted to bring up an idea um somewhat tied to that. Um, because uh in a DM you sent me a while back, you mentioned Okay. What? So th- this was your exact uh, DM, or, or one one of the DMs you you put um, for me. Um, what one of the reasons parrots are associated with pirates was because it was an actual practice for crews to have a bird on board that would fly out from the ship periodically and to help detect land. So a dead bird could be an especially useful omen. And also a tool for increasing tension amongst the characters. I like where your head's at, but I have a different idea for parrot's involvement in this uh, film. Because the parrot is the murderer. Well, (laughs) you're not too far off. (laughs) Hear me out. Hear me out because I was thinking, well, yeah, I like that, but that's kind of the equivalent in killing a dog in any other horror movie, which has become a tired trope. Uh, Mm. So I'm not saying the parrot is the villain, but what if the villain does train the parrot to kill at least one person? (laughs) <laughs> i'm i'm thinking of like elaborate deaths and i'm imagining like some guy getting his eyes like gouged out by a parrot and blood spewing out of them like just six the parrot on a guy yeah <laughs> ex- yeah i like that idea
1: fuck <laughs> <Okay>, it let's go
0: <laughs> yeah okay um and that can be that that's another very easy like oh there's a kill that can happen in front of everybody and no one necessarily detect like who did it like there there could be a very subtle thing that we work in like like a very subtle signal that the whoever the villain is gives the parrot to to Mm. commence murder um but uh yeah so i I do like the idea of the the villain so we've got the idea that the villain uh, is actually the only one who are are we are we gonna stick with that idea uh the the uh, which the, idea the the villain is also investigating with our uh protagonist. Like, uh, you know, helping to try to... I'm undecided on that one. Okay.
1: Just because I feel like it would be an extra layer of complication that might
0: yeah be just awkward to deal with. That's true. And and maybe it'll be easier, like, once we, like, establish more about the story and the other characters, we can um figure out exactly how we're gonna make the villain's yeah. motivation work. because. Although...
1: Although, in terms, of helping with, in terms of helping with the investigation, my mind is, like, they're right next to each other the whole time, When it could just be a more, not passive, but, like, th- they aren't around, like, investigating, like, directly, but, like, they provide, like, information and whatnot whenever the protagonist asks or something.
0: Yeah, and maybe, and, like, somewhat trying to, like, throw the blame off of them. Yeah. Like, get, giving them key information that does help them figure it out, but... Um like in inadvertently so, but also trying to mislead them um, yeah. yeah, um, which also kind of plays in or er, er, like that that sort of like cunning wit and like being like like putting on a front of helpfulness, but um really having, you know, nefarious intentions is also an aspect of Captain Hook and Peter Pan that I really like, so mm-hmm. playing with that um trait. Um, yeah. Also, the specific idea that I
1: wanted to throw in as a smaller detail, I think, at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, but I just kind of like, uh, which is having the villain be the quartermaster.
0: Now... I don't know who a quarter what a quartermaster was. Uh, a
1: quartermaster, generally speaking, is in charge of like keeping track of like supplies and equipment in a ship, but also just a larger organization. So they would be in charge of tracking in general sense, they'd be in charge of tracking like how much food they have, how much medical stuff they have. they'd be in charge of knowing a lot of about the ship.
0: Yes, which could tie well, into the,
1: them being like in an informant situation, but also uh, while our modern, con- while our modern romanticized conception of pirate ships has the captains being in charge of everything, the captains were generally like g- looking back to a lot of actual pirate ships. The captains were generally only in charge during like combat situations. But the rest of the time, it was meaningfully the quartermaster who could be said to be in charge of what's going on. So the twist of the villain being the Quartermaster would kind of be a, kind of be like a nice parallel to that concept where you think the captain's in charge, but it's the Quartermaster. You think X is the villain, but really Y
0: was, Y had all the strings. Yes. I love, as soon as you said they were in charge of the equipment, they kept track of equipment. I was on board. Because that plays so well into what I've been talking about with the the geologist, yeah, resourceful and using their surroundings to commit murder, like that's so yeah. I I love that. I love that. Um. Uh. Yep.
1: And it also works on the previously mentioned level, if we have the captain be a uh, small a lesser antagonist. Yep. Because then the character would also upstage them in that front as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I really and also with with the idea of having the um, like I mentioned, the captain being like the the final uh victim apart from if we like decide to kill our uh, villain, mm. our main villain. um I again, I don't want to just rip everything from Pirates of Caribbean, <laughs> but I want a three-way sword fight between our villain, the captain, and our protagonist. Yeah, um, for that, uh, like at the climb, like after the villain's been revealed. Um, because again, villain time to villain after being revealed and also um just that three that three-way sword fight was the coolest part of Pirates 2. <laughs> so, um uh yep. Um and one addendum I want to make to the idea of the pirates not helping with the investigation and just out to protect themselves, uh they should be accusatory uh, because I think with with, yeah, the, yeah, with, the, sense, yeah. with the story we're going with, I mean, a group, a crew that is mostly you know tight knit, someone disguised as one of their own, picking them off one by one, and everyone accusing everybody is. Very reminiscent of the thing, and I want to play into that. Yeah, I, li- I like that. Yeah, um, like like I because also like that, that would also allow me. for
1: red herrings where like someone dies and you and like we're led to think that it's the proper murderer, but it was somebody, but it was somebody else who thought that person was the murderer or something like that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that could be fun too. Yeah, have having that would also uh,
1: help for just because like if. The mm-hmm. quartermaster is helping with the investigation, though it also helped give them
0: cover. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like I like that a lot actually. Um because we do have that like 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 McCready shooting the one guy who wasn't the thing. Um yeah. uh yeah. Um Yeah, no, I I think we've developed some good ideas we'll continue to develop to develop this next time uh but we should definitely get on to uh our uh double feature for today yeah. um we we watched two movies as teased last time or it, back in March rather um we watched Skinnamarink and Paddington 2 we'll start with Skinnamarink um this is either going to be a very long discussion or a very short discussion. <laughs> um, because this film is hard to talk about. And yeah. I do want to uh, preface this conversation. We'll, we'll get into it a bit, but I want to preface this. If you have any interest in watching Skinamarink, you should stop listening to this episode and go watch it. Um, yeah, because you should go into that film knowing as little as possible, uh and in as dark of a room as possible. Ah, uh, that's also uh key to the experience um of that film,
1: like for a lot of horror movies, like in a darker room as possible is like an extra bit of a challenge for this one to like actually like it really contributes atmosphere. to the atmosphere and whatnot, yeah, it
0: it, yeah, it helps you get more into it for sure. um. With that being said, I know we normally start these discussions with whoever picked the movie giving a brief summary of the plot. I don't know if we can do that. <laughs> like, we
1: can we can say the premise. Yeah. And that's as far as we can fully go with discussing the plot. So, so you picked Skinnamarink. Yeah, so I'll get the premise. Okay, the premise of Skinnamarink is that we follow two kids, Kevin and Kaylee, uh, who get trapped in their house when their father and all the doors and windows leading out of the house disappear. And then we, and then over t- and, and then over time, it becomes clear that they're not alone in the house and that there's something malicious in there with them.
0: Yeah. Uh, that yeah that's that's a good summary uh basic summary of what happens uh this film it it should be noted this film is very experimental um and not necessarily plot driven it is not a narrative film uh it yeah it's it's yeah uh but anyway initial thoughts um well, I mean, y'all heard my sister and I do want to elaborate on <laughs> her thing because I had heard about this movie before, but I didn't really how I, I didn't hear much about it. I had heard I just heard the name. um, And then my sister went to see it in theaters with some friends in college. And the night that she saw it, she texted my mom and I, I I wonder if I can find the exact uh, texts here. Uh, Give me a minute. Well, while I'm looking for this, why don't you give your initial thoughts first? Uh,
1: My initial thoughts are... uh, Words, sorry. English is hard today. Uh, My initial thoughts are, I really like this movie intellectually. I don't know if I'd ever watch it again but I like what this movie is doing and trying to do. And, and I'm really glad that I watched it because it makes me feel like I will probably get a lot more out of like horror movies going forward than I thought I would have going in the past.
3: hmm
2: Yeah, okay. So... Okay, I think I. Wait, no, I think I found.
1: I actually. Weird. Okay. Are you trying to find the original text?
0: Yeah, I, I I can't find the I I found the the text where she mentions a trailer for Skinnering Skinnering and a a trailer and a text. Where my mom jokes about going to see Skinner and Marink*, and my sister's like, "No, don't." But you'd think it'd be in between there, but it's not. Um. Mm-hmm. But anyway, basically, my sister went to see this film in, in in a theater, um, and afterwards, the gist of what she told my mom and I over text was that film fucked me up. It is one of the scariest films I've ever seen. And I also want to preface this next part by saying my sister isn't in, you know, in her, you know, young adulthood has has grown to be a, less of a religious person. You know, we were all raised Christian, um, mm-hmm. but um, she, she has um, sort of, uh, you know, become less religious, which, you know, I, you know, it's we're not going to get into all that um but mm-hmm. um but it's also important to note and I won't name names but she had a roommate in college who was devout christian um mm-hmm. and that that it, it is important to know the difference between the two of them for this next part because she said the film scared her so much that she had her roommate Pray for their house after seeing it. Um, it scared her that much. Um, she requested it. The roommate did not offer. She requested that. So that's like
1: so that is the my so that is the and the Noah told me about that when I said I wanted to do skin and ring for the podcast first. Yes. That's also the frame of mind of expectation we had going into it. Yes. For some additional context for everyone.
0: And I mean I get it. Like, this is easily the scariest film I have ever seen. Um be beating out the Baba Duke. And I definitely I like I also like this film more than The Baba Duke in in that tur. in in terms of that as well that's not to say i enjoy i it's so complicated because like i will never watch this again Mm. as well um it uh, it scared the shit out of me and it was therefore like, like jacob made the argument to my sister it was very effective it did its job um yeah. Uh and then going into you know more more specifics. Um again, very experimental. I I do love the the style of this film. Um it's the the footage is very grainy. The cinematography the the cinematography the there the camera just sits in places yeah where it's just in places looking at things
1: sometimes dark corridors sometimes almost directly at lights but it never focuses on like uh, almost never focuses on like an event that's currently happening it's always like something happening just off camera left or something
0: yeah from where
1: the camera is currently pointing
0: yeah it's not it's not quite found footage it's not quite analog horror it's some kind of blend almost of the two but not never not really abiding by the rules of either it's it's very much its own thing like there i have not seen anything very i have not seen anything like this film uh stylistically um the audio is very distorted and muffled and fuzzy at times um there there are parts we we uh did not watch this with captions but there are parts where there are captions built into the movie to tell you what people are saying because you can barely hear them yeah um and like you never you never directly see people for like more than a second um like mo yeah most of most of the most of the film most of the stuff that actually happens in the film is unseen actually i think everything that happens in the film is unseen pretty much um it, it's yeah. very much just leaning on the idea that uh,
1: nothing you can put on screen is scarier than the thick than the nebulous idea of the thing happening in your head
0: exactly. um
1: yeah which and the fact that you not see can't see anything leads to a lot and the film is so like dark, lighting wise leads to a lot of your. Ma- leads to a lot of potential for your imagination to run wild with things potentially being hidden in the shadows, especially with the grainy quality
3: mm-hmm.
2: where yeah. you
1: can't always tell whether or not you're looking at, Well, you can't tell whether or not you're looking at something and it's just like the distortion of the screen or if there's something actually there.
0: Yep. Yeah, there were, there were multiple parts. And, and me and my sister talked about this after I got home uh, yesterday, because we just watched these films yesterday at the time of recording this. Um, yeah we talked about how there there were multiple parts where like i thought i saw something Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure if there was actually anything there um but um yeah so that was that was a yeah, the and, and it also effective. and it also
1: leads to the points where you can clearly tell something there being more chilling than it might otherwise be. Yes. Like the the one that jumps up my mind is the bit with the eyes and the toy phone. Yep. Yeah. Like when it's yep. focusing on the darkness, like it sits there and then you suddenly realize that there are eyes staring back and it is incredibly chilling.
0: Yep. To finally
1: see something staring back even though it ends up being the phone which then has more stuff going on but
0: yeah yeah and it's like still, that, like when we say a toy phone with a face you know the phone we're talking about like this the like it, it's an iconic toy that like it was in toy it, story 3 giving woody a vague warning yes yes um which makes this easily the best film to feature that <laughs> toy phone. Um, um, but, um, yeah, and there are also it's also I've seen there are a lot of people online who do not who who don't like this movie because they say it is. They say it is dull and slow, which is fair if you yeah. aren't able to engage with the if if you aren't able to engage with this. It is slow. It it yeah, it
1: is it is not what I describe as a movie where things
0: happen. Yes, it's it was probably... it a
1: movie about sitting about getting submerged in the atmosphere of the situation, mm-hmm. and if you can go along with. A movie just based on atmosphere it is a wonderful experience but if you want something to happen
0: it's not going to be your thing necessarily yes yes it's it's very experimental and yes there are there, there are long stretches where nothing happens and all and pretty much everything major that does happen is not shown it's only implied or we see the effects of it
2: um like
0: it's and that that is the part that that makes it scariest for me it is the fact that like you know some horrible stuff is happening but it doesn't show it you only see like Effects of it at one one you part can at that, most hear it most of the time. Yeah, the like the the first part of the movie where where something like that had, well specifically auditory where where something like that happened and I'm like oh fuck um is after, Kaylee has a conversation with who appears to be the mother, but mm. I I. From my understanding, the imp- and I can't say that I fully comprehend this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, in in my letterbox review, I referred to it as the inception of minimalist horror uh, <laughs> because it's, it's a thinker, uh, yeah, and it's definitely open to interpretation in a lot of parts. Ah, uh, but the imp I think a major implication in the film is that the the mother is out of the picture. Yeah, that's the impression that that's the impression that I got. Um there there's actually there there is one point the the clearest bit of dialogue we ever get is the dad presumably on the phone with the mom uh talking about how Kevin fell down the stairs um but it is fine um which has led to certain theories uh Mm -hmm. uh, regarding the events of uh this film um but there there's a point where kaylee has an interaction with who appears to be the mother um and there's a point where she says i need you to Close your eyes, and the reason I pause there is because the subtitles pause there. There, there is a break. You see the first half of that sentence, and then you see the second half. Um, and then the mom, and then Kaylee closes her eyes, and the mom disappears, or or who appears to be the mom, and then a couple seconds later, you do not see anything, but I heard what sounded like bones crunching yeah, that's the and, thing and snapping. And that that was the part that that was the first part where, like something was happened auditorily. I don't even know if that's the right word. Um, audibly. and you couldn't quite tell, but like that's what it sounded like. And I was like, Oh, oh boy. oh, fuck. Um
1: uh, that, that also leads into what, another thing that I like about the film. And its audio design, which is, like, at the beginning of the movie, before things really start, like, going into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a number of scenes where, like, it'll be doing its thing where it's not going directly at something. And you can hear a noise off in the distance and because the audio is distorted and potentially spooky on its own. But after a bit of listening to it, you go, oh, okay that's this mundane thing like oh that's a car driving away or
0: that's window
1: blinds like being opened or closed mm-hmm. or so that, different...
0: that's, that's feet with socks on walking on carpet uh yeah i i i, I listened to uh, the dead meat podcast uh episode on this film uh last night and they 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 were talking about how apparently the the director said that that was one of the hardest parts um of of this of making this film is getting the right foley sound for socked feet walking on carpet.
1: Oh god I could imagine yeah. Um but but yeah so like it starts with that where everything starts starts out spooky but then like can be further interpreted to be something more mundane which then sets up the later bits where things become less mundane or even unidentifiable with the audio as
0: being extra spooky. Yeah. Um, also, uh, this film's got jump scares. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I went into this film not sure, not sure if there would be jump scares. And once they introduce the concept that jump scares can happen, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> because <laughs> every single one got me um yeah there is one where uh, i i think the first one is, is the the first jump scare it isn't even a visual jump scare it's an auto it's an auto it's an audio one where yeah. um kaylee is looking up at the ceiling and there is a there is a doll a, like a barbie doll Mm-hmm. On the ceiling, because there are multiple points in this film where you see stuff just on the ceiling that shouldn't be there. Uh the first one I think we see is a chair. Um, yeah, and then there there's a lot of toys up on the ceiling at points. Um, and at one point, one of the kids walking on the ceiling <laughs> clearly. Yeah. Um, um, and you, and and you're just you're you've got her point of view you're looking at this doll that's just hanging from the ceiling and then all of a sudden you hear her scream because Kevin came up behind her and it scared her um and yeah and then once once the the film introduces that it can jump scare you then you're like Ah oh, fuck! Every time, like there's there's a long stretch of something, you're like, oh, is there gonna be a jump scare here? Like, damn it! Like just waiting in anticipation, and it it will always surprise you. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and sometimes it's worse. A lot of times, the answer is just no. Yeah, and that sometimes makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, because there's no it, like
1: release of tension in between them.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um. There's there's another horrifying jump scare where you see Kaylee with no eyes and no mouth. Um. There's one with the 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 second scene with the phone, with the toy phone, where it it just. I think it's just like, the eyes and mouth get. Slightly distorted, and there's a loud sound, but it's yeah. like looking horrifying. it's it's like it reminded me very much of um David Lynch's Inland Empire, uh, which is a film that you just can't find anywhere. I was lucky enough to see it in a theater uh a while back. Um, but also in the two things those films have in common, they are two of I believe the four films that I have logged on Letterboxd without a star rating cuz I genuinely do not know how to rate them um as uh, in terms of like a score out of 5 or 10 uh it's it's this Inland Empire Fight Club and Blonde <laughs> Um, which I hate that I'm equating blonde with any of those because blonde is easily the worst of those four. Um mm. but that that one's kind of a I described that one as a paradox of pain. We're not gonna get into it. Um uh but yeah. Um uh two two other specific things I wanna bring up with uh, skin and ring but I've been talking for a while so if you, if you want to bring up any more specifics uh, feel free
1: yeah uh, one thing that I really like from the aesthetic of the movie is how light is handled not just in the not simply in that like it's very the sense of that it's very dark and so there's a lot of stuff hanging out it seems like it could be hanging out in the shadows but a lot of the times when the light is framed it seems like it's the light is shot it feels like it cuts off dramatically, not dramatic, cuts off harshly and it gives this nice dread inducing like feeling of like the darkness like encroaching on the light and consuming it. Yeah. Or, or threatening to consume it at times. hmm Yeah. And it presents the light as this like safe space almost. Which then helps make it even, which helps make which helps make it scarier than it already would have been as the lights slowly get taken away.
0: And it, in connection with that, the one what one of the most one of the more um, prevalent light sources in the film is the the a CRT television set playing uh, public domain cartoons. Uh, they yes. specify it at the beginning of the film all the all the cartoons are in public domain. Um. And they're they play with these cartoons in a very weird because because it's like, you know, that old rubber hose style, mm-hmm. um, and that can be, you know, cute and creepy. um yeah. and they play with it in interesting ways. They choose cartoons that fit thematically with what is happening in the movie. i I remember one specifically where, like a spider has two uh bugs or or characters like caught in a web Mm. um uh there's another very long scene of a a looping cartoon of a rabbit making itself like crushing itself down into nothing and disappearing which then is paralleled later on with one of the most frightening non-jump scare scenes in the movie where you hear Kevin crying, and you see blood splatter on the floor, and then it disappears, and it just loops. it loop yeah. like the blood splattering and disappearing just loops. And I'm like, "Oh, fuck <laughs> um mm. so like, you know, and again, there there there's. Again, there's a lot of a way, lot lot of ways you can interpret that sort of thing. Um, I have my own uh interpretations. I'm not going to get too in depth with that. Um, but because we have to talk about Paddington too, um, uh, I shouldn't say that we get to talk about Paddington too. <laughs> um. Or in terms of uh, apportioning time, we... Um, yeah. Um, but the other specific, really frightening part that, like, the, I think that one of the scariest lines of dialogue I've ever... You don't really hear it that well. You see it, though. Um, the phrasing of put the knife in your eye. I, is so, like, that, that, the, the specific phrasing of that line just really unsettled me, um, because it's not, he doesn't say, stab your eye with the knife, he says, put the knife in your eye, um, and so, it's, yeah, it's very unsettling, um, And um and then after that you get the scene where Kevin calls 911 and mentions that um he is hurt and he's feeling uh he's feeling sick, um which is also just a very unsettling conversation because you do not you do not hear most of what Kevin says. You only hear mm-hmm. the nine one one operator's, operator's response. Um, and that's where you learn the definitive age of Kevin, which is four. Um yeah. you you never definitively learn Kaylee's age, but I think the implication is that she's older. Um yeah. if slightly. Um but yeah, this is yeah. Um anything else specific to say about this film? Uh
1: I feel like it scared me way less than it scared you and your sister. Probably, yeah. <laughs> like, it definitely like frightened me, especially with the jump scares and the the sense of like dread and stuff definitely hit and worked. But yeah. like
0: Yeah, I mean I'm I, I also think it affected yeah. my sister way more than either of us, probably because yeah. she caught in a theater. Yeah, that's fair. Um whereas we watched it in your basement with my laptop projected onto the tv (laughs) Uh, yeah but um yeah uh and uh fine just final thoughts i mean that uh yeah final thoughts yeah again definitely the scariest movie i've seen I, I will never watch it again, but it, I appreciate that it exists and, um, that a film like this can, you know, it, it, it's worth noting, uh, $15,000 budget, um, and it got a limited, it got a very limited theatrical release before, uh, getting on Shutter, but it did get a theatrical release and it made over 2 million, um, which it's it's very nice to see, like a a a movie this small, make such a big impact, and a lot of it was word of mouth. Like there were there was insane yeah. word of mouth to the point where, people were trying their best to watch this film in any way they could before it officially released. Like that there, there was actually a lot of people pirating this film, um, before it released in theaters and on Shutter, um, but it it. Honestly, it seemed to help with the word of mouth because people were talking yeah. about it on social media and whatnot. Um yeah, TikTok especially apparently. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was big on TikTok. So um yeah, I yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm glad I experienced it. I'm not glad I, I... I I, shouldn't say I'm glad I watched it and I didn't enjoy the experience necessarily, but I'm glad I did have the experience.
1: In contrast, I actually think I definitely did quite enjoy properly watching it. Mm-hmm. I, and, I, and as a result, I'm very glad I did watch it and Overall, this makes me excited to dive more into the horror genre in general, which I hadn't really stepped into much.
0: Yes. Um, and now for a palate cleanser.
1: Yeah. <laughs> which uh, something which,
0: very which, and
1: now for something completely different.
0: Yeah. Uh, as a proper segue, actually, to quote Skinnermarink, can we watch something happy? <laughs> <laughs> I, that's the most I related to the movie for sure was when it, one of the kids said that, um, yeah. uh, because it was like, Oh, don't worry. We'll be watching some, well, you won't be probably. <laughs> and yeah, they definitely didn't. But anyway, Paddington two, A uh, brief summary on Paddington two, um, Paddington bear wants to get a birthday present for his hundred year old aunt Lucy uh, who basically raised him as a cub, um, before he went to London and got adopted by the Brown family, um, and so he goes to an antique shop and wants to get uh this pop-up book of London that it turns out is one of a kind, um, and then uh the villain Phoenix Buchanan uh, finds out about this book, breaks, and, and he is, a, it's worth noting, he is an actor, um, and he breaks into the antique shop and steals the pop-up book, uh, because we later learned that it is a, it is actually a, um, it is actually a treasure map to, um, the, the author's, uh, vast treasure. Um, and, um, Paddington tries to stop the robber, who he does not realize yet is Phoenix Buchanan, uh, and ends up being framed for the robbery, uh, and gets thrown in prison, um, And so, um, yeah. And then it's... So the film follows the Brown family trying to figure out who the true robber is and Paddington dealing with life in prison and eventually, eventually escaping and helping to stop Phoenix Buchanan. Um, and initial thoughts on this one. The... I mean... This is th- this has been regarded as one of the greatest films of all time uh, in recent memory, because when on Rotten Tomatoes, when a an old negative review for Citizen Kane resurfaced, it dropped that film's Rotten Tomatoes score to 99% making Paddington 2 the highest reviewed film on Rotten Tomatoes until again one negative review surfaced for that one um but it's still you know going strong at a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes um and yeah it it just is it's this is one of the most delightful films I've ever seen it's it's so good I I can't think of a single thing wrong with it honestly. It's it's just like and you don't even have to watch the first one. Neither of us have. Yeah. Um is is it's just so it's just so delightful in every way. Yeah, it's just
1: it's just delightful and fun.
0: Yeah. I uh, is it, it your initial thoughts other than that?
1: Or... It's delightful and fun, and yeah fun and yeah.
0: fun, yeah this one this one actually might be a shorter conversation because it's not as yeah. intellectually challenging as Skinner Meringue, but yeah, it's just I, everything about it is delightful
1: it's it's the I, I I like that it portrayed prisoners as more human than they
0: opting to portray it as that's nice, yeah, yeah, um man i i'm I'm starting to realize like prison movies are good <laughs> it, there's <laughs> a lot of really good prison mo- like like this and Shawshank Redemption are two of the greatest films of all time we also got the Green Mile which of course we've talked yeah. about on the podcast before that's a that's a great one um yeah um I think one of our is it fair to say he's one of our collective favorite characters is Knuckles um he is pretty great he he's so great he he's like the the prison chef he's played by brendan gleason um who has done a a shit ton i mean he just got nominated for an oscar for Banshee's venice Aaron this past year so um and yeah he he he's great in this you know he he's like got this real rough exterior and then Paddington kind of warms his center uh and it's is great um but and i say he, he is one of our favorites he he is not the best character in this the best character in this movie is Phoenix Buchanan right yeah he's pretty great <laughs> Hugh Grant is having so much fun as Phoenix Buchanan, and it's it's so good. I haven't I haven't watched a ton of his other work. I've seen Four Weddings and a Funeral, which I wasn't super into. Um, I've seen Ah uh, Love Actually, which I did not care for. Um, but he's also having fun in that, so whatever. Um. <laughs> He, I mean, in the 90s, he was very much, like, he he was a very, like, leading man type uh, in the 90s, like, rom-coms, like Bridget Jones Diary, Notting Hill, um, Four Weddings and a Funeral, um, Uh, also done period dramas like sense and sensibility um uh, but uh yeah he he's just kind of started in the like the 2010s he's kind of uh been going against type uh which um and th- this is definitely th- this was definitely against his type but he he's having he the again we we've talked about this before with uh other movies that we've watched on the podcast um it makes so much of a difference in a film a a good film can be elevated to great and even a mediocre film can be elevated to good it or great if you can tell the that an actor is just having the time of their life in a role. Um, another great example from recent film. Uh, Bowser, <laughs> Jack Black is Bowser. Yeah. he is the best part of that movie because he he has so much fun playing Bowser. Um, and Hugh Grant is Phoenix Buchanan. Same energy. Um, he's like this crazy actor who like talks to himself as. Like characters he's played in his dressing room, like he has like mannequins with all his his like most iconic characters costumes on them, and he talks in their voices to himself. Like there's Macbeth, there's Hercule Perot, there's Hamlet, uh, various iconic characters, and we kind of also accidentally ripped him off for uh Fisher for Golden Lee. Age, yeah, Golden Age, yeah. We had never seen this film before making Golden Age as a character, and the true ending of the first Fisher of the Reels game is just the post credit scene of this movie. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, where he gets arrested for his crimes, but then puts on, like, a Broadway-level show in the prison. It's great. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, I've talked so long. Uh, you bring some stuff up. Uh
2: I don't
1: know it just a... it's the kind of movie where like I enjoyed watching it but I don't have a ton to say, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's fair. It's it's like it's not going to be an interesting film to talk about because it's it, it is
1: what it is and what it is is delightful.
0: It's... Yeah, it's just perfection. Like there 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 really isn't like I don't have a single criticism about this movie. And I can't even say that for my favorite film of all time, Spider-Man No Way Home, like that's not a perfect movie. This is. <laughs> like genuinely. Yeah. Um I do I I do find it interesting um we de- we, we did have slightly different reactions in parts I noticed. Because there were a lot of parts uh, where a joke happened, you usually a visual joke. There's a lot of good visual humor in this, um, and where you would laugh, and I would just smile, <laughs> like, like I, because I, I was just like, "Oh, this is this is just so charming." Ah, uh, but it's it, both reactions are fair because this does have some really funny moments. What was the, oh. I'm trying to think of the one there there was one line that made us both laugh real hard. I forget what it was. God. Um, um N- Knuckles's f- uh uh name written incorrectly on his ha- on his knuckles was <laughs> funny. That that was that got a laugh out of both of us, I think. Um um. Uh, yeah, no. There was there was just one line that like really got both of us. I mean, I'll be watching this again. I'll I'll remember it once I watch it again. I'm like, I was like telling my mom and my sister as soon as I got home. Is like, okay, you guys need to watch Paddington too. Uh, what and my mom's like, the movie was it? I I'm trying to think. Um. Oh, love the uh, uh, th- This was also a very funny part. This isn't the part I'm thinking of, but um, ha- having Phoenix Buchanan not be able to resist um, like complimenting his own looks in the police sketch drawing of himself <laughs> in disguise um just was a great running bit um he also like every every like heist he pulls off like when when trying to find a clue on the treasure map um uh he's in a different disguise which is great he he dresses oh what
1: was it was it the bit of the nun it might have
0: been because With
1: with the cop like the security guy repeatedly referring to like phoenix this guy's the most beautiful woman he's ever seen
0: yes that that was that was i don't i don't know if that was it but that was that was up there for sure that that was that was a very funny moment (laughs) it was like yes uh yeah um yeah it's just yeah, this film is just perfect and delightful. There's not really that much else to talk about. Oh, mm. Paddington does try to become a, a window cleaner to get the money <laughs> for the pop-up book before he's framed for stealing it. Um that 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 whole sequence is just charming. Mm. Oh, Richard Ayoade made a a surprise cameo during Yeah, uh, during the, the trial, crime scene analyzer or whatever. Yeah and so it's it's always great to see him um yeah um honestly really the whole cast is just so committed to this and and it's wonderful sally not sally sally hawkins um she who who plays the mother of the brown family she um is so committed to this like she's just like Willing to consider all these crazy possibilities, uh, but like she's willing to consider anything to like clear Paddington's name, um, Ben Wishaw as Paddington too is 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 uh, very, uh, good, very good voice yeah. work, um, we got Julie Walters, surprise Julie Walters, who was um, Rosie in uh Mamma Mia, uh. I I realized like halfway through the movie. Oh, that's her. Um. Oh, there was a part on the train that made us laugh real hard. I think. Oh yeah. So the bit of the the dart gun. Yes, yes. Where where like Phoenix Buchanan pulls out a sword, and then um Mrs. Bird, that's Julie Walters's character, who's like the grandma of the the Brown family, um. She pulls a, a gun off the wall, and she's like, never bring a, a sword to a gunfight. And Phoenix Buchanan is like, I think you'll find that, uh, that, uh, that, that, gun- that gun fires plastic darts. Yes. And then she fires it, and a dart just sticks to his head, and she's like, oh, so it does. <laughs> <That, that was laughs> um, there, yeah, there there's a lot of good visual, visual humor in this, um... Yeah, pat a lot a lot of it with Paddington washing the windows, um, a uh, lot of it with uh the Paddington smearing ketchup and mustard on Knuckles's apron accidentally, like thinking mustard will get the ketchup out and be like, no, that just made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, again, there's not much to talk about this with this film. It's just so delightful. Um I'm sure the first one is also delightful. I'll probably what I'll watch that at some point. Uh, yeah. but yeah. Um just final thoughts. What th- there's not really again, there's not much to say about this this movie. It is it really is the complete opposite of Skin and Marink, which I was hoping <laughs> for when I chose it um to pair with Skinamarink and, and yeah, it it really worked out really well. Um, it's easy to see why this is considered one of the greatest films of all time because there's genuinely not a single thing I can... Like, I cannot think of a single flaw with this movie. Um, and And as a result, there's not as much to talk about, but it's still... It's still just delightful and perfect and everyone should watch it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Just one less my final thoughts as well. It's just delightful. Not much to say beyond that. It just is. Yeah. And you'll have a good time watching it. Yeah. Unless you're like cynical and terrible to be around
0: yeah, who the fuck is that one reviewer who took it down from a hundred percent who the, who 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 is that oh, I actually <laughs> wow, I found well, okay, I found one of the I, I I found one of the negative reviews. i guess there there's a, a couple, but the first one I found was, As a man who is dead inside, I couldn't fully buy into the world of Paddington, but I watched with my son, and he did enjoy it, which is something. Just not for me. Okay. (laughs) Well, there you go. At least
1: least he knows he's dead inside.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's Skinnamarink and and Paddington 2, which... I think is also the best way to watch Skin and Marink* is watch a film like Paddington 2 immediately <laughs> afterward to relieve some of that for, for, for yourself.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But that
1: brings us to the movie we'll be watching for the next
0: episode of the podcast. And you mentioned you had something a while ago. so
1: I do have something yes and I'm going to desperately hope that you have not seen this. What if it, if it and I'm going to desperately hope that you have no idea this movie
0: exists before I mention it. Oh boy, that's that's gonna be a uh, that's gonna be a deep. I think the only time you've ever I, I mean you probably I'm, I imagine you're aware of it, but it'll be really funny if you weren't. I think the only time you've ever pulled out a movie I've literally never heard of was Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, so this will be interesting.
1: Ah, all right. So Noah, have you seen? The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension.
0: I have not, but I have heard of it. Yes. Okay. All right. Then we'll be watching
1: that for the next episode.
0: All right. Interesting. I don't. I. I do not know much at all about it. I don't even know who the main guy is. Uh, I. I feel like I knew at some point, and it was an actor I r- relatively recognized. Oh, Peter Weller. Oh my gosh, this cast. What? John Lithgow <laughs> and Jeff Goldblum are in there? Christopher Lloyd Clancy Brown? What? This cast is stacked. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, we'll... Uh, I, 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 well, next time on the podcast, we will talk about The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Uh, we'll see you guys then. I'm Noah. I'm Jacob. Peace.
1: Adios. And scene.